first of all say sadhu together Say Namo Tassa three times. Sexual misconduct. 
attention to the body in order to awaken our mindfulness or awareness. understand different body sensations. Knowing that different body sensation within us means that we are aware. We are aware about what is happening now. Now slowly bring our attention to our own breath.
that is the very simple meaning given in the dictionary or Oxford dictionary. And we find some other synonyms for the pessimism. Defeatism, negative thinking, negativity, expecting the worst, doom and gloom, gloominess. So those are the words that are synonyms for the pessimism. So it is in the Oxford Dictionary. Now we understand that pessimism is something very negative. Negative attitude towards oneself and towards the world. So, uh, it is not a reality. It is actually a personal attitude. It is not the truth. It is not the fact. So, therefore, we can, we can say that it is not common in everybody. That can be seen in certain people. What we call pessimistic worldview or pessimistic uh, view of life, thinking about negative of uh, his own life or uh, about the world. Now I, I think now we got the meaning simply about the pessimism. Now we have discussed here why the Buddhism was called sometimes pessimistic or as a teaching of pessimism. Actually Buddhism is not. But when the generally people come to read or study the Buddhism, very first time they see four noble truths and also three characteristics. When they go through that, simply they, when they read or study, they see first thing, first truth of Four Noble Truths is Dukkha, dissatisfaction. Then they uh, rush to say that Buddhism is pessimistic. So we know that in the Four Noble Truths, the Dukkha or dissatisfaction mentioned in the Four Noble Truths or in the three characteristics is not merely a feeling or speculation. Now when we uh, define the pessimism earlier we saw it. They considered pessimism is a feeling. But what Buddha talk in the four noble is not a feeling. 
it is a profound teaching of the Buddha. It is everything, but uh, it is not what commonly we talk about to go or suffer. On the other hand, the Dukkha, as mentioned in the Four Noble Truths, can be verified by anybody. It is not of belief, it is a verifiable truth. It is nothing to believe. So, that is a fact. The teaching of the Buddha does not end at the first truth, the Dukkha. It goes on to explain the cause of it, cessation and path leading to the complete cessation of Dukkha, sublime bliss of Nibbana. Those who just only touch surface level of the Buddhism, they see the Dukkha as the first truth and then they uh, say that Buddhism is present. But it is not true. Apart from this, I would like to share with you how Buddha mentioned in different suttas different level of happiness. Then we understand Buddha explain the different level of happiness in our life. In Anguttara Nikaya, there is a sutta called Anana Sutta. There the Buddha mentioned that four kinds of happiness that may be achieved by a lay person. The first one is Apti Sukha, the pleasure of possessing material wealth. The second one is Bhoga Sukha, the pleasure of enjoying material wealth. Anana Sukha, the pleasure of being deathless. Anavadya Sukha, last one, the pleasure of being blameless. Now we can understand if Buddhism is about pessimism, the Buddha never talked about the happinesses, joy in our life. So Buddha when talk about the happiness in lay people, the Buddha mentioned there are mainly four types of happiness. So when you have wealth, money, property, you can be happy thinking that I possess a lot of wealth. You see that's also kind of happiness. Why some many people they do not have such kind of happiness. Sometimes they are worried, thinking about other people's wealth. 
while you having lot of wealth, property, money, then you can be happy. That is a kind of happiness. Then, when you enjoy your wealth, money, property, whatever you have, there is another kind of happiness to the mention that. So that happiness can be achieved by a lay person. So you can enjoy, you can spend money, you can buy something you want, then you can be happy. That is a kind of happiness to the mention. It is called Boga Sutta, Boga Sutta, the pleasure of enjoying material wealth. Then Anana Sukha, one of the very important sutta, uh, very important sukha or happiness mentioned here, the pleasure of being deathless. I think today's world is very, very rare to find some, that kind of happiness because everybody is sometimes having a lot of longs from here and there. Eh? So, therefore, the Buddha here highlighted it is a kind of happiness. If you are not data to anybody, then you can think, I am not data to anybody. Thinking that way, one can be happy. Right? Think about the person who is totally data to somebody, always suffering. Right? So therefore, when we think about, I'm not data to anybody, that is a kind of happiness one can endure. So the Buddha talked about the happiness in different ways in lay life. The pleasure of being blameless. So this last one is the most important happiness that one can achieve among all these four. So it is called Anavadya Sukha. So that means one has to be very careful one's own actions, whether he or she uh, deal with the others in a wholesome way. When they reflect about their actions, if they can be happy about that, their behavior, actions, and then actually they can enjoy about that. I did not harm to anybody. I did not talk uh, or use harsh words. Uh, physically I did not harm, verbally I did not harm. When, when one can understand, when one can re reflect, in this way, actually he or she can be very happy. So, they appreciated this last one very much. Uh, it is not, it is totally about the uh, ethical life. Ethical life. So, when one uh, experiences the pleasure of being blameless, that is called one of the happiness. So, all these four uh, happiness can be achieved by a lay person. So the Buddha talked about the different happiness. Then if somebody can 
think about renunciation, having understood the teaching of the Buddha and uh, knowing uh, the uh, sometimes dangers of practice as a labor, you know, some people they become monks or nuns, right? So when they uh, they are going to be non monks, so they are enjoying the happiness of renunciation. So cutting down, cutting down all unnecessary burden, they are limited to certain way of life. That way of life produces happiness. That happiness is called happiness of renunciation. While they are in the spiritual life, leading the monk court or nun court, actually, uh, they develop further more spiritual. When they develop their spiritual, they enjoy spiritual happiness. Then, when they practice, it is common for both lay people and monastic, when they practice meditation, they can experience happiness of concentration. The finally, Buddhism uh, say that highest happiness is the bliss of Nibbana. We call Nibbana Parama Sukha. Nibbana is the highest bliss or happiness. Now, uh, we can say that Buddhism uh, share a lot of happiness. So you, when you go through this, you can see a different level of happiness one can achieve. So, so then simply one cannot say Buddhism is pessimism or Buddhism has that pessimistic view for the life and work. <coughs> then we have a question. Why do people think that the teachings of the Buddha has pessimism? There are many, many reasons. But I would like to share with you uh, two reasons here. Perhaps it may be the reason that the Superficial knowledge of them with regard to the teaching of the Buddha. They may not have uh, sufficient knowledge of the Buddha, knowledge of the teaching of the Buddha. Therefore, uh, they come to conclusion saying that Buddhism is pessimistic. On the other hand, there is a very strong belief in oneself that is called self-notion. We call it Parisakkhaya When one has very strong belief of self-notion, they are unable to accept what the Buddha said. They have a conflict within themselves. So, Therefore, they reject. They reject that what the Buddha 
uh, in his teaching has performed. So, for example, four noble truths, and then uh, three characteristics that we are going to discuss later. Very often we see, even though those who uh, has those who have written some written some books about the Buddhism, and those who are expert in even Buddhism also have such kind of wrong notion. That is because it is not easy to understand the Buddha's teaching simply for everybody. Buddha said that this Dhamma is for the wise people. So one simply cannot uh, have a belief. Buddhism is nothing for a belief. So one has to uh, understand by oneself. It needs question, investigation, further inquiry. So then only one 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 can have one soul realization. So it is not easy. So then that is why we see. Uh, even some people who have uh, considerable knowledge about the Buddha's teaching, I mean the knowledge means basic level. We call Suttamaya Jnana. That, mean, that means uh, book knowledge. Book knowledge is not enough. Book knowledge is only the first step toward the Buddha's teaching. Then we must have a Kintamaya Anna. That means we must have a, a investigation what we have heard. Intellectually we have to think how to apply, apply the Buddha's teaching in our daily life. How to uh, see the Buddha's teachings as experience. Now that is called second stage. The last stage we call Bhavana Mepanna. It is, like, it is actually a spiritual experience. Spiritual experience. One can have uh, by practicing the Buddha's teaching. So, on, only when we uh, practice these three steps, then we can have a complete realization. That is how we see during the Buddha's time and the many monks and nuns realized and became enlightened monks. So that is why they sometimes they have a misunderstanding about the Buddha's teaching. Now here I would like to share with you two terms. In many suttas, these two terms are discussed. Asuttava Pututjano, uninstructed worldly. Suttava Ariyasavako, instructed noble disciple. Now, Asuttava Pututjano, that is the Pali word, simply translated as 
uninstructed whirling. Uninstructed whirling means the person who did not expose to the teaching of the Buddha. Instructed noble disciple means one who exposed to the Buddha's teaching and practiced. So the Buddha actually compared the uh, true nature of these two people. Here it is very uh, interesting, sometimes uh, Buddhism we have different approaches in the practice. Different approaches in the practice. So, with regard to the uninstructed wording, the Buddha here mentioned one of the sutta, it is called Asutavan Sutta. The uninstructed whirling might experience the detachment towards this body, but not of the mentality. Why I share with you this is actually it is very important because uh, especially those who are not very familiar with the Buddha's teaching, they are called uninstructed whirling. So, these terms may be applied even to those who are in the Buddhist circle, even those who are not very familiar with the Buddha's teaching. Because sometimes we think, being in the Buddhist circles, uh, not knowing exactly what the Buddha taught, as the Buddha's followers, but uh, we cannot have the fully uh, benefit from the Buddha's teaching if we do not explore the teaching. So, now, when Buddha actually instructed the monks and nuns, Buddha wanted to uh, Tell the monks and nuns the true nature of the life. So that is how we find three characteristics. Right? Anicca, dukkha, anatta. Uncertainty. Right? Anicca, impermanence. Dukkha, dissatisfaction. Anatta. No self. So the, now the first one actually when Buddha explained, <coughs> very often take the form, body or material form to show that things are impermanent. When we say things are impermanent, that can be seen easily in the material form. Right? It is very clear. When, when the glass, cup of glass, glass or, or glass or any container or container of clay or broken, anything made out of material form, broken into pieces, then we see things are in 
is just normally inside. And also sometimes when we observe very carefully our own life, physical life, we see our childhood, then our Youngboot, then adulthood. Huh? When we take all the pictures from our birth up to date, so we can simply imagine how this happened over the years. The Buddha say even this kind of understanding can be achieved by anybody. Why? Because it is verifiable by anybody. Even, even uninstructed worldly, those who are not exposed to the Buddha's teaching also can understand this nature. But Buddha said here, one thing is very difficult to understand with regard to the impermanence. That is impermanence of our mentality. We see entire world is impermanence, but we do not see how our, how our uh, mentality is changing from moment to moment. The Buddha said that uh, the changing of mind is so fast, so rapid, so quickly. The Sutta would explain just like a monkey in the forest jumping from one branch to another branch. Our consciousness also grabbing one object to another very quickly. So, therefore, the Buddha wanted to show us the rapid change of our mentality. That is the real problem happening actually. Not in the physical world around us. So here, the Buddha mentioned that uninstructed worldling cannot have that kind of understanding. What I mean here, that kind of understanding is actually changing of mentality. It is very hard to see. They also can, anybody can see changes or impermanence or uncertainty in the material world. But it is hard to see the uncertainty or impermanence of our own mentality. The Buddha here mentioned only the instructed noble disciple can understand that. So that is why uh, I all I mentioned earlier too. Many people uh, think that Buddhism is pessimistic. That is because we have kind of practice we call cement practice. Eh? Practice. Actually, that is to see the, the material world, 
physical world is impermanent. But the problem cannot be solved from that practice itself. It gives certain understanding. It uh, reduces our desire up to a certain level. The practice does not mean that we need wisdom inside. That is to see how mental mentality is changing very fast. Unless we uh, see this way, we cannot have uh, what the Buddha said as impermanence or dukkha. like to uh, share with you that another aspect that we must explore as practitioner. What is the all? What is the all? Because said that uh, all is I Ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. And corresponding objects to these sense doors. In another way, Buddha said that what we call world is not the world. What we call world is within this Adam law body. Now, for an example, how many words are here? <laughs> Including myself, there are five words, right? So, we have our own words. So, the Buddha here mentioned in the Sampa Sutra, it is called all. I declare you in this world all. All is nothing but I, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, sound, then aromas, flavors, tactile sensation and ideas. That's all. The here mentioned if somebody is going to tell something else than this is is he, he is not able to say that. He will be in trouble. He will be in grief. Why? It is beyond one's own experience. One can uh, experience more than this. So that is why it is wonderful and marvelous of the Buddha's teaching. Whatever we know, it is from all these six sense doors. Six sense doors. Then, how we create this world also very important. How we create this world? 
suppose here there are hundred people, then we say hundred world, right? So if we take one person, he experiences his own world. How he experiences his own world? Through his eye, through his, his ear, nose, tongue, body and mind. We call them sensory experiences. Sensory experiences. So this is very important with regard to impermanence in mentality. Because very often we uh, see impermanence in the physical world. Whenever something broken, we say, oh, it is impermanence, we can understand. But that is not enough. We have to pay attention how our world is originated. The world is originated when we have interaction with the external world through our internal sense doors. For an example, when we see objects through our eyes, then we call eye consciousness. Chakuinya. With that eye consciousness, we proceed furthermore. How? We call our chakuncha patituru, pecha upadya chakuinyana. When we have interaction with the external world through the eyes, it is called eye consciousness. With that eye consciousness, we have eye contact. It is called passapachyavedna. Due to this eye contact, we have a feeling. We call feeling derived from the eye. Then we have Vedana Patya, we can say Tanna. Craving. Tanna Patya Upadana. Then clinging. Upadana Patya Bhavo. Then we create our existence. That means this is the process of our world. It is uh, same as with the other sense doors. So every moment actually we are doing this process. So the Buddha, while talking about the physical world, Buddha very much focus on this internal world, which is we call Fathom Long Body, which is within the within this body. So, but very often we miss it. We always focus our attention to external world. We, we see other people's other things in permanence, but we do not see changes happening within our physical body in our mentality. As I mentioned earlier, changes happening in the physical world is 
here to notice. Very easy, easy to notice or understand. But changes happening in the mental mentality is very hard to see. Now, uh, the, the sensory experience I mentioned here happening every moment. When, when you are tired with the eye, then you change your process to hear. You are going to listen to music. Then you listen to music, then when you are tired with that, then you go to taste something. Right? The same procedure, when you taste, you have feeling. When you have feeling, you have craving. When you have craving, then you have a ringing. You feel like having again and again. Ah, this is the process. So every moment we we construct this world. We construct this world. So construction is happening within us as a mental process. Then reconstruction, rebuilding. So what we are Constructing, reconstructing, rebuilding is actually our own work. The Buddha here mentioned to see the impermanence of this mentality. We call sankhara. Sankhara. So, so next one is about sankhara actually. That means the Buddha very clearly mentioned the Dhammapada Sabbe Sankara Nichati Yada Panyaya Pasati Atani Bindati Dukke Esamako Visuddhya All conditioned phenomena are impermanent When one sees this with insight one becomes wary of Dukkha This is the path to purity That is how the Buddha explained Anicca in Sankara. Sankara is happening actually when we have sensory experience. As I mentioned earlier, when we have sensory experience through our eye, then we create our own world. And then this creation is actually impermanence. Creation, recreation, rebuilding. So when you for example, watch a movie. So you are at the very moment creating. Hammer and everything you are creating. You know, when you watch a movie, you know you have your, you have your own uh, good actors, actress, so their reaction, so their performance, sometimes you appreciate it. So and so, uh, then with that process, what happened? Uh, actually, you are creating your own world. Sometimes you cry watching the movie. Why you are watching the movie crying? That is because it is the uh, creation of your own mind. You are connected with that process. Nobody hit you. Huh? Nobody beat you at that time, but you yourself connected with mind. So, 
you you sometimes uh, take part with them. You know this process is so subtle. Finally, you are part of that. You know, uh, so uh, even even with the movie, even with the drama, so you are connected being at home. Though they are not physically appearing in front of you, you are seeing the movie, but you can see how strong that mental process is. So the Buddha said, all conditioned phenomena, these constructions actually impermanence. But unfortunately, uh, uninstructed worldly people, Putujjana, cannot see this process. They are always going after that process. They then tired. Then sometimes that is why we see when people are in depression, stress. You know that is why some people commit suicide. So when they understand the Buddha's teaching, actually, they can end that negative process. That is why the Buddha said that. Uh, the understanding of Buddha's teaching is necessary. When we have a deep understanding of the Buddha's teaching, we do not say it's pessimistic. Because it is an ultimate sense, joyful way of life. So the first one is anicca. So all these mental processes impermanence. Impermanence momentarily actually existing. Now, when we open our eyes to certain objects, close one time, open again, close again, think about this process open, close, open, close. How do you see the same object for a few times? First time you see, then actually you, uh, we have a very uh, sensitive process of our mind to recognize signs of the object. When we see the second time same object, what happened? We have memory. With that memory, we connect that second experience. Suppose we do not have that memory. Can we recognize that? No, we cannot. We cannot. So that is why we feel like to think that external objects are permanent. But they are not permanent. And our even mental process is also very subtle. Uh, whenever we see, all the time we update, just like, uh, uh, just like our smartphone apps. You know, uh, the apps are always updated. After one month, two months, it is necessary to update. So they develop certain things. Just like that, whenever we see same objects, we update. We update. Then we see sometimes certain changes in the, in the form. So this is not something speculation. So this is the real process happening in everybody. That is what Buddha called uh, with three characteristics. So therefore, the Buddha's teaching 
is not pessimistic, pessimism. So all these teachings actually we call the way to uh, see as as they are true, as it is true. We call yathabhuta, yathabhuta. Then sape sankara dukkha yada panya pasati atanipindhiru kesmanto isitya. All conditioned phenomena suffering when one sees this inside, one becomes wary of dukkha in the path of purity. So we know that second characteristic of the three characteristic of existence, suffering, dukkha. Suffering is not merely the pain. If you have a headache, you can heal that taking medicine. But it does not mean here suffering. It is it is actually profound teaching of the Buddha, which is not merely what we are talking as suffering. That's why it is called dukkha is not cannot be translated simply as suffering. It's more than that. So some say some suggest the dissatisfaction. Unsatisfactory. So, dukkha is when we have uh, self within ourselves. So, we, when we we cannot control the world the way we want, then we suffer. So, the Buddha mentioned certain. Uh, number of dukkha in the, under the Bhattrut, we call Jatim dukkha, Jarabha dukkha, birth is suffering, all these. But finally, Buddha mentioned in brief, five holding aggregates are suffering. Panchupadana khanda dukkha. What is Panchupadana khanda? He is actually as a part of sensory experience. Sensory experience I explained earlier, when we have experience with our sense doors, together with the external world, then we have clinging to that, right? Whenever we have that clinging, actually we, that is the cause for the suffering. So it is happening every time. So, normally, unnormally, habitually, it is happening. So, that is why we are in the sansara. We are in sansara. So, to say this, this construction is, uh, is caused to suffer. Then, Sabbe Dhamma Anandati Yada Panya Parati Hatani Kimbrindu Kesamangu Visuddhya All Dhammas are oneself. When one sees this with insight, one becomes wary of Dukkha. Take the path to the purity. Then the last one, Anatta. Anatta. So, this is one of the profound, most profound, uh, teaching of the Buddha, Anatta. Very difficult to understand. 
very difficult to understand. Of course, uh, the, <coughs> that understanding will happen when someone completely becomes enlightened one. Until then, we have a certain understanding how it happens. So, where this uh, soul notion come to exist? Where does this soul notion within us come to exist? That is the place where I said that sensory experience. You know, some philosophers used to say that I feel therefore I am. Right? But feeling is a part of cognitive process. So now if I am happy, happy I now. Later on if I am not happy, then sad I. So that I also change with that, right? So we cannot say feeling is I. Feeling is changing. We cannot say feeling is I, me, myself. With the very clear dimension. We cannot hold this fully aggregate as I, me and myself. Whenever we, but actually in ordinary level it is happening. Even though Buddha mentioned, uh, we cannot say these five aggregates as me, myself and mine. But in ordinary level, until we come to enlightenment, it is happening within us. Whenever we see things we see, I see. Right? Whenever here we say, I hear. Not only we say, we suddenly feel, I hear. But it is a process. It is a process. It is a process which conditioned by many things. So it happened due to certain conditions. For an example, uh, seeing the phenomena called seeing happening due to certain conditions. The eyesight must be good. Then the object must be in a range, sort of a range to see. Light must be there. Right? Then when there are certain conditions like this there, then seeing happens. Suppose my eyesight is not good, then what happened? I cannot see properly. Or the object is not in the in a, a reachable range, then also I cannot see. So the seeing is happening with certain condition. That's why we said that these are conditionally arising things. When things are conditionally arisen, actually they are anicca impermanence. Therefore, we cannot hold or say this is I, me and myself. We can think, that is why we are here in sansar, but uh, then it calls to be born again and again. How? I see, I hear, I taste, then I contact. I think, then finally I create a big capital I, right? 
as a result of that I have eye-centeredness now I hear that then you are there then what happened? we have separated two entities with that process what happened? I judge you I judge the world then we together with the desire craving anger hatred jealousy we, together with all these defilements I come to perform then I do certain action to satisfy me then what happened? I do whatever to satisfy me thinking verbally what we call verbal action and physical action finally these are called karma either good or bad karma so that cause to be born again and again whenever we are born actually it creates again dissatisfaction we call dukkha so true nature is actually anatta no self the, but self is our own creation every individual create their own self together with our sensory experience so Buddha, way, Buddha instructed us to see whenever we experience to think in terms of another not self because whatever we experience in the world they are arising with conditions conditionally arising so therefore true nature is not self another so that is why he have mentioned all the are no self within and without or external world when one can see when one sees this with inside, one becomes wary of dukkha. So this is the path to purity. So when one understands the three characteristics we call anicchadukkanatta, impermanence, dissatisfaction and uh, no self actually. So he is uh, either in Sotapanna or Anagami. Sotapanna, Sakadagami, Anagami, we call Arahant. That is the process of understanding the three characteristics. So, three characteristics is not a speculation. It is a way of looking at things. And also, it is the true nature. True nature, because we all have wrong perception. What is our wrong perception? We think permanent we think I also permanent and also surrounding also permanent that is the wrong perception and also we have another wrong perception due to this permanency happiness derived from that that is also another wrong perception then also we have I of course together with this I everything we create that is also wrong perception. We call vipalasa. Sanya vipalasa. We call. 
So all the level, all of us in the, in this level, we fall with wrong perception. So Buddha wanted to uh, establish in us that correct perception. Correct perception is actually anicca, dukkha, anatta. These three characteristics, they are called uh, characteristic of existence. So universal truth. It is universally uh, acceptable truth, verifiable truth. Now I come to the last uh, point. Uh, throughout this sharing, I wanted to tell you that or share with you, uh, Buddhism is not pessimism or pessimism. Whatever the, the term used as Dukkha, actually they are not speculative uh, thinking. They are verifiable facts, verifiable things. And then finally, those who came to the Buddha's teaching, knew the Buddha's time, actually they realized this truth. They were very joyful people. Happy, joyful people. Now, I would like to mention three out of them. Have you heard about Patachara? Patachara was a lady who had a husband, two children, and parents. You know, this lady lost all of them. She became crazy woman. She was uh, crying, weeping, wandering here and there. Finally, she, uh, the people managed to bring her to the Buddha. Then Buddha gave her a good, uh, we call, exercise. Because she couldn't understand, he, uh, she lost her own two, two small child one and a husband, sorry, husband, and then parents, and brother also, whole family. This is the tragedy. So what happened? Now she could not understand what happened to her. So Buddha told her, uh, so, so Buddha told the Dhamma and understood. Then she realized that. So became very happy, joyful. Another lady, Kisagotani, actually she also had only one son. So what happened? She also lost that son as a baby. You know, India during that time, even today also. Uh, in the family, uh, child is very important. If, woman, if a woman cannot produce a child, your birth to a child, mother-in-law definitely neglect, ignore, condemn that woman, that uh, daughter-in-law. It happened during the Buddha's time, even today also. So, this Kisangotini was waiting a long time a child. Finally she got a child. She was so happy. 
unfortunately, her this only child passed and died. Then she, she could not come to conscience. She lost her everything. She became mad woman. And then, uh, uh, then also she went to do that guy. People brought her to do then uh, she was having her dead son. Then Buddha said, Okay, I can cure your son, but you have to take medicine. She was so happy because nobody said that, she, that uh, son can be cured. Then Buddha said, Okay, but on one condition, you have to bring mustard seed from a house where there is no body died. So she went from house to house to find a mustard seed from a house where there is no any body died. Then she gradually came to know that this common. Then it made her to realize the dumb. Later on she threw her uh, dead son to the cemetery, went back to the monastery. So she became enlightened nun. It's a wonderful thing because, you know, if the Buddha's teaching is pessimistic, how, how these totally uh, collapsed people, lost people, recovered in such a way. They, they became enlightened nuns in the Buddha's teaching. And you see the Nangulima, another well-known criminal, right? So he killed thousands and thousands of people. But with Buddha's one word, he could control his emotion, he awakened his wisdom and became noble disciple of the Buddha. So all of them actually collapsed themselves. I don't know what kind of psychological term that we can use today for them. But Buddha recovered all of them. So these are the uh, fine best example how the Buddha's teaching helped all these people who lost themselves finally. So, now we understand very well what is pessimistic and what about the, uh, the what uh, it is nothing to do with Buddhism. So, what, whatever Buddha mentioned in the Four Noble Truths and Three Characteristics actually nothing but they are verifiable truths by anybody. It's a fact. So, finally those who come to the Buddha's teaching very happy. That happiness uh, explained as Nibbana Paramansuka. Nibbana is the highest bliss. So, I am very happy today to share this Dhamma with you. And now we come to the conclusion of the uh, Dhamma sharing. So, today, now we are going to dedicate merit to the departed relatives. Very beginning, you all observed five precepts to be with the triple gem, became virtuous ones, and uh, 
Then we recited the Buddha's quality, great quality of the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. And then we discussed Dhamma. We listened Dhamma. By doing so, we generated merits. Let us share the merits with the departed relatives. May all our departed relatives rejoice in this merit. Having rejoiced in this merit, may they be well and happy. May they be well and happy. May all of them attain supreme peace of Nibbana. Say Sadhu, Idamme nati nangotu sukita untu natayo Idamme nati nangotu sukita untu natayo Idamme nati nangotu sukita untu natayo at the same time, we share the merits with the deities. May all the deities rejoice in this merit. Having rejoiced in this merit, may they be well and happy. May they be well and happy. May all the deities bless upon you for your well-being and success. Finally, may all of them attain supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. Devanaga Mahindika Punyantang Anumodhindva Chirangrakhan Tutsasanam Akasantha Chadumantha Devanaga Mahindika Punyantang Anumodhindva Chirang Rakam to Besanam Akasanta Chakumanta Devanaga Mahindika Punyantanganumodinva Chirang Rakam to Mantaranti Wishing all living beings in the world be free from suffering, be well and happy, be well and happy, be well and happy. Let us recite this word, verse Gata. Dukkampanta chanindukha, bayampanta chanimbaya, sokampanta chanisokha, Finally, we wish Venerable Changwan, our Kalyanita, and also all our Dhamma brothers and sisters who came here and organized this Dhamma sharing. Therefore, finally, we wish all of you good health, happiness, and all the success. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu.